Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So how many of you read uh, Judges 5, the song of Deborah, and went, huh? <laughs> I had somebody tell me today they read it and they said to themselves, I wonder what Ray's going to do with that one. <laughs> it's not necessarily what I'm going to do with it. It's what God did with it. Because when I first read it, I said, huh? Uh-oh, what am I going to do with this? But when I dug, it got real good. So in the previous chapter, De- Deborah and Barak led Israel to defeat the Canaanites that had been harshly oppressing them. Now, Judges 5 is a different writing style than what we're used to, because it is a song. It's a victory hymn. It's the song of Deborah. And also, Judges 5, it fills in a few gaps that Judges 4 didn't give us. There's some information information that Judges 4 didn't give us that Judges 5 has that helps us see a little better what was going on back then leading up to the the battle. So we're going to get a little bit more information here, which is going to be good. So now in Judges 5 and verse 1, the song of Deborah. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. So, okay, let's break it down. Because <laughs> you're going, what? <laughs> Always celebrate victory with praise. That's what they're doing. They just had a victory. They just beat the Canaanites, and they always celebrate victory with praise. You notice that praise songs always sing about how God saved us in some kind of way. And we see this here in Judges 5. They proclaim that the Lord has saved them, him being mighty in battle. Now, this part about the clouds pouring and the mountains gushing, I will expand on that shortly, but you did see it. The clouds poured and the mountains gushed. We'll get to that in a minute. But as we see, there's some locations mentioned here, Seir and Edom. These are places where God had worked to deliver Israel way back before they even came into the promised land. God was working a long time ago. And you know how people, most people, they only pray when they need something right now. You know, they wait till they get in trouble and then they pray, oh God, just get me out of this. And then as soon as they're out of that mess, they go right back to the same knuckleheadedness that got them in trouble in the first place, okay? So we have to realize that this hymn is not just thanking God for delivering them from the Canaanite army in the past chapter. That's the right now moment for them. We just had this victory, thanks God. They're not just thanking and praying for that alone. They're thanking God for all the times He's helped Israel. 
They're thanking God for everything he did leading up to that, even as far back as, as the time when they come out of Egypt. And so that's why those locations are mentioned, because those talk about things that God did way back before they even got in the land. Now, remember chapter 2. It says that as soon as Joshua died, everybody forgot about God and everything he did for them. It's like, oh, Joshua's gone. Just, just like nothing ever happened all of a sudden. They forgot. So, but now in this song, because they mentioned those locations from way back in the past, what we see here is that Israel is remembering what God has done for them way back. They're remembering now. You see that? They're remembering, wait a minute, this isn't just about what just happened. God did stuff from a long time ago. This is quite a turnaround for a nation that had just completely forgot everything God had done, isn't it? Do you see, do you see what's going on, the big turn they're doing here? This is what repentance looks like. It's a blessing. Real repentance, you're, you're not going to just say, well, thank you, God, for giving me you know, uh, my paycheck this week. You're going to thank him for all the times he did everything he could from way back when, before you even knew he was doing anything in your life, trying to draw you in until he finally got through and woke you up to Jesus. You're going to be thankful to that depth. This is a nation that forgot about God. Now they're remembering way back. So you see that in the song here. Judges 5 and 6. They're still looking back a bit. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath. In the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. So verses four, uh, I'm sorry, verses six through eight, it gives us a little more information on what was going on in the previous chapter, how bad it was under King Jabin's oppressive uh, rule. As it says, you see there, it says, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Guys, the oppression was so bad, people were scared to go anywhere. They didn't want to go nowhere. They didn't want to get out. You couldn't do business. It was hard to go to work. You couldn't visit family and friends. Verse 7 says, village life ceased. Your life is gone. We took your life from you. You can't do anything. That's how bad the oppression was. Everybody is hiding, and they can't experience life because King Jabin was so oppressive on them. That's how bad it was. Very harsh. So now we've got a little bit more perspective on why Jael really applied herself when she drove that tent peg through Sisera's head. Sisera is the guy that commanded Jabin's army. So you know now why she got on there and uh, really drove it in hard because people were sick and tired of living under this guy. Sick of it. She had no hesitations. This guy's done. (laughs) Gives you a little more perspective on why JL did what she did. The people wanted their life back. They wanted their life back. But Deborah arose, a mother in Israel, sent to deliver Israel from their enemy. And remember, God handed Israel over to the enemy. Why? The enemy didn't just come in and God goes, oh, look, an enemy showed up. God actually handed them over to that enemy. Why? It's in verse 8. It says right there in verse 8, because they chose new gods. New gods. What is a new god, Ray? What is a false god? A god, a false god, is anything in your life that takes priority above the God of Israel. 
anything. It can even be good things. It could be wonderful things. You make it a God when you put it above the God of Israel, and that becomes a problem. So they chose new gods, and sin will get you in trouble. So remember, we're reading this in a praise song. This is a praise song we're reading. Byron probably could have sang this to us today, and I wouldn't have had to even get up here. But this is a praise song. And in this praise song, for them to say they chose new gods in a praise song, you're singing a praise song, and you go, they chose new gods. We can see that this is Israel's own admission of guilt. What they're doing is they're confessing sin in their praise song. In a praise song. You ever heard a praise song where we admit we're the sinner? (laughs) Those are a good praise song, right? They have now realized why they were under oppression. You know what's bad is when somebody's under oppression, they have no clue why. The people with the destroyed lives and things going on, they don't have a clue why it's going on because you're under oppression. Well, why am I under oppression? Why did God do this to me? You chose new gods. You chose new gods. But now the song mentions the consequences that followed behind it. (laughs) Some consequences come in, because notice how after they chose other gods, it says in verse 8, then there was war in the gates. You choose new gods, there's war in the gates. It's coming in. And it also says, not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Friends, when you choose other gods and set God Almighty on the back burner, it doesn't bring little problems at a distance. It brings war in your door. It's in the gate. It's coming in the house. War in the gates. And Israel had no weapons. means they were totally vulnerable. There's nothing they could really do about it. Friends, this is what sin does to your life. Well, I can live my life however I want to. Okay, then why do you have that big problem that you cannot deal with? Oh, gotcha. War in your door. You might get to choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come in with it. That's the big kicker. So they're talking about the consequences. Judges 5 and 9. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, and who walk along the road. Far from the noise of the archers among the watering places, there they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Okay. Israel had forgotten about God, right? But now in their hymn, it says they are recounting the righteous acts of the Lord. This is a people that forgot about God. Now they are recounting the righteous acts of the Lord. I see a lot of repentance here, guys. They're trying to recall and remember, let's realize what God has done for us. We just got too busy doing our own life, our own thing. Let's recount what God has done for us. God loves repentance, and so the hymn is praising God for the faithful leaders who offered themselves willingly with the people during a time of crisis. In a time of crisis, leaders, you need to get up and do something for your people. And this hymn, this song, it expects a response. Everybody needs to give a response, rich or poor, doesn't matter your status. That's why it says, speak, you who ride on a white donkey and sit in judges' attire. Or those of you who have to walk along the road. You see that? Everybody, whether you're way up there or way down, rich or poor, 
whether you've got nice clothes and good transportation or if you're poor and you have to walk, this hymn has an expectation for everyone to speak. Everybody needs to say something. Praise the righteous acts of the Lord, regardless of your stature or or position, because God has fought for all of you. You know, some of us are richer than others. Some people out in the world are way up there. God sent a Savior for all of them. Say something. Praise the Lord God with your mouth. Recount His righteous acts. Do you see how the hymn is no longer talking about deserted highways? (laughs) Do you see that? Traveling along on a donkey or walking. I think we just saw deserted highways, didn't we? It's not talking about that anymore. Life has now returned to Israel. Now people are getting on with things. This is, it, look how it says, far from the noise of the archers among the watering places. Hey, people are getting back to business again. They're getting to go out and visit family. They can go to work. You can walk along the road without worrying about getting an arrow stuck in your back because the nation repented and God gave them deliverance. Now they can do what they were supposed to do and live. They're not in danger anymore. Everybody get out and recount the righteous acts of the Lord. Aren't you glad to have freedom with a deliverer? So good. Judges 5 and 12. Awake. Awake, Deborah. Anybody asleep in church right now? Wake up. <laughs> awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. Then their survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your peoples, from, from Maker rulers came down, and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar, so was Barak. Sent into the valley under his command among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of art. And so the victory song here sings about Deborah and Barak taking up action for the nation. Remember, they said leaders. You need to do something for the crisis of your people. And this is what they're talking about. The leaders did something. Awake, Deborah. Arise, Barak. And boy, did they ever. This is their prompting to get to action. You are a leader here. You need to do something for your people. And they did. But what I like is that they acknowledge that they did not fight this battle alone. Because verse 13 says, The Lord came down for me against the mighty. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. Guys, that's your battle too. Oh, you got all these big things going on. The Lord comes down for you against the mighty. That's so good. From verse 14, we see blessing is being pronounced on the tribes who helped in the battle. These guys says, hey, we're in. And they came and they helped. Verse, from verse 14, Ephraim, Benjamin, Maker, which is part of Manasseh, Zebulun, and Issachar. These tribes now get a blessing because they jumped in the fight. (laughs) We're in. (laughs) Let's go. But we need to take special notice here because there's credit that's given in verse 14. It shows where uh, it says where it talks about Ephraim's roots being in Amalek. Now, I know when you hear Amalek, you think, oh, that's not a good people because they were bitter, bitter enemies of Israel. They hated Israel. Remember, Amalek attacked Israel from their backs in an ambush when they were just trying to get to the promised land. It made God something fierce, mad about it. And so for the hymn to say that, to say Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek, 
what this means is that Ephraim lives where the Amalekites used to live. When it says Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek, that means the Amalekites used to live there, but now they don't. Now the Ephraimites do. Can you see what this had just happened here? Apparently, Ephraim killed the Amalekites and took the land from them. They took it away. So when it said in verse 14, you can hear that now, where it said Ephraim's roots being in Amalek, this tells us of a victory that they had against the Amalekites. And so no wonder, you know, when I think of the battle now that they were in it, no wonder the Ephraimites jumped into the fight. They know what victory tastes like, and they want another plateful of it. They know how to do this. Man, we beat the Amalekites. We're in this one too. We like this victory stuff. We're here to help. That's what I see in that. But now we turn from blessing, it now turns into curse. In verse 16, Judges 5, 16, it says, Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. Ooh, this is a a sharp rebuke, isn't it? Verses 16 to 18 are curses upon the tribes who did not help. They did not help. Reuben, Gilead, Dan, and Asher, they did not come help. Reuben stayed with the flocks. Now, now Reuben, that doesn't surprise me that Reuben did this. Remember, those were the guys that settled east of the Jordan. They didn't even bother to cross over and see how good it was first. No, we'll just take this right here. And they were, they were sinful from way back. They were a messed up tribe from the, the get-go. And it says Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. All they had to do was cross. I looked at a map. Gilead was right there. All they had to do was cross the Jordan, and they were, they were practically there where Mount Tabor was, where the, where the battle went down. Dan stayed on their ships. They just keep into their own business. Hey, we, we got things to do, man. We're busy. We got our own little life going on. Too bad for y'all. Y'all go fight. We're not helping. They did not join in to help. They didn't join in to help. I hope this frustrates everybody because I'm going to cash in later. <laughs> this is frustrating. They should have jumped in. And so now look at verse 18, and you can really see the expression here in verse 18. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. Can you hear how heavy the rebuke is? You guys stayed off doing your own business. You didn't come help. You're on your boats. You're doing this. You're doing that. But these guys risked their lives for you. You hear what he's saying in the song? I don't want to be in that tribe. I don't want to be that I didn't help guy. So there is blessing for those who helped, and there is curse against those who would not. Judges 5 and 19. The kings came and fought, then the kings of Canaan fought, and Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens, the stars from their courses, fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. O oh, my soul, march on in strength. Then the horse's hooves pounded the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Those are one of those parts in there where you read it and you say, huh? (laughs) But I dug, so let's go through it. 
All these Canaanite kings here, they allied together. It's pretty bad when you're taking on one force. But when you get a bunch of different forces that all band up together, you've really got something to reckon with. They all fought against Israel, but it says they took no spoils of silver. They took nothing. They took nothing from them. All this military force, they were not able to steal a thing. Why? Well, here's credit given to the Lord again in verse 20. Look where it says, they fought from the heavens, the stars from their courses fought against Sisera. Now, this is a figure of speech that talks about God's divine intervention in this battle. God got involved, the heavenlies, the stars fought, is kind of what, is it, what it gets at. But how did God intervene? That's kind of what I was wanting to know when I was reading this. What did God do? How did he intervene in this war, in this battle? Now, we've been given some good information on how he did it. Great information on how God got involved here. Uh, if you look at verse 21, it says the torrent of Kishon. The Kishon is a river that flows through Israel out to the Mediterranean Sea. Now remember, the Canaanites had those 900 chariots. Remember, they were all scared of those 900 chariots. Now that's what they had, 900 chariots of iron. It was big, Israel's big fear. And this is why they mounted up the troops, troops 10,000 troops attacked from on top of Mount Tabor. It's hard to get a chariot up a mountain. <laughs> I've seen Mount Tabor. You don't get a chariot to go up like that very easy. So let's get up there. We'll launch from there. But okay, they launched from there. But then what happened? That's where I'm at. Okay, we're on Mount Tabor. Nah, nah, nah. But we're coming down. What went on? Down in the valley is where a lot of the battle happened, but how were they able to beat the chariots? We know if they got tired or the battle was done or had to retreat back up for some reason, all they had to do was run back up Mount Tabor again. But what happened down in the valley? It says, by the torrent of Kishon that swept them away. See that? The torrent of Kishon, that river swept them away. Now, why in the world do you think chariots would get anywhere near a river? Oh, there's a river. We can't go in there. The chariots were down in there. Why did they go in there? You got to think for a minute. Ah, this was the time of year when it was dry. So this is the time of year it's dry. They're not thinking about water. They went down in there. Let me refer you back to verse four again. Remember I said I'd come back to that. Look at verse four. It says, Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. You see that? Here comes water. And the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water, the mountains gushed before the Lord. God just really turned on the faucet. God's going to render those chariots useless real, real quick. The Canaanites would have never risked taking their chariot into a soggy, wet area to fight in. So now we see how the Lord intervened in the battle. This is how God got in it. He sent this mega crazy amount of rain during the dry season... (laughs) which caught the Canaanites totally off guard. The heavens poured, and since it says here that the earth trembled and the mountains gushed, we can determine that not only did the water come down from the sky and the heavens is rain, but also God shook up the mountains because it said the mountains trembled. He broke up massive springs of water that was underneath the mountains, and the mountains gushed, it said. The water came out from the ground. Uh, this reminds me of uh, Noah's flood in Genesis seven eleven. It says, On that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.